Falcons Nation, what's good? It's your boy, Southbury706. This is the Derrick Burn Nation Report, uh, the unofficial official podcast of Falcons Twitter. We have the legendary Gift Queen, and we have special guest Ryan. What's good, y'all? Hey, what's good, everybody? What's going on? Yeah, so again, we had a, a very impressive win against the Saints. Well, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't impressive. It was kind of a very ugly win for us. Yeah. But, you know. Trying to move on right now. We're above the playoff line. So as of today, we will be the sixth seed in the playoffs. So, you know, last year didn't start out the greatest, but ended up getting us where we need to go. So hopefully we can make this kind of a, a playoff run for the Falcons. So to get back in postseason, hopefully make some noise. Um, one thing I forgot to put in the notes, uh, I feel bad. A lot of my people up here in Jersey are Eagles fans. So Carson yeah. Wentz, man, that's a, that's a crazy injury at like the worst time of the season. So shout out to all the Eagles fans. Uh, yeah, this is uh, it was looking like this was y'all's time, but you know, shit happens. But that's like that's like peak Eagles though. Like for everything to be going well, and then the most unlikely thing just come and ruin the entire season. Like that is that is peak yeah. Eagles. My homeboy at work, he's a Giants fan. He's like, yeah, this is the greatest shit ever. He was like, I don't even care, man. Like even if even if we go two and fourteen, them clinching the East and missing their quarterback, he was like, this makes it all worthwhile. He was like, clown the hell out of them folks. So I'm like, damn. But, you know, maybe he'll come back stronger, better than ever, you know. But as a Falcons fan, we can't lie lie to ourselves and say this isn't a great opportunity because the Eagles were probably one of the teams most Falcons fans or any NFC team should worry about. So shout out to y'all Eagles fans, man. So, you know, cry, Eagle cry. So anyway, speaking of crybabies, to the Saints game. Now, the Saints just can't – they can't take an L in peace. They have brought up every excuse why they didn't win that game in the book. So you got your boy, bitch-ass Drew Brees, talking about, oh, you know, it's Thursday night football games. We don't have enough time to heal and recover. Bruh, ain't no healing recovering. Change the fact you threw a horrible intercession to Deion Jones in the red zone. That was on you. Like, I don't know, maybe uh, your, your mental capacity wasn't back because of Thursday night game. I don't know. That's a horrible excuse. Also, this huge controversy is something we all heard about it. This is nothing new. They they had a former Falcons referee, or Falcons player, I'm sorry, being a a referee. Now, the thing is, the part of the referee team that he was, he doesn't throw flags. So that that whole excuse is bullshit. Then y'all had the nerve to bring this man's child into the mix. Like, I mean, he's a grown child, but still, like, oh, his son's a Falcons fan too, oh. They cheated, blah, 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 blah. Like, come on, bro. I'd like, okay, so my response is and. Um, exactly. There's not, like, there's there's not enough there. And I, I guess this is what bugs me about Saints fans, too. Like, I, I have, I actually have respect for Drew Brees as a as a player. Dude's a future Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, that's a weak excuse, although I have long said that Thursday night football is a waste of time. And we oh, yeah, need to of get course. rid of it, even though it's it not is. going anywhere. Um. But for them to sit up here and not only find out who the referee is, but essentially dox him and his family, uh, like, that's too far. You lost the game. You're still technically in control of your destiny as far as winning the division. If you were that worried about it or, or if it was that big of a deal, you should have clinched it up when Matt threw boneheaded picks. I mean, you had plenty of opportunities to put that game away, and they did not. So to turn around and say, oh, it was the refs, like, that's, that's such a weak cop-out. Like, I've never seen a franchise with a ring that is his butt hurt and sore as uh, sore loses as they are. I don't understand it. Now, before I go to before I go to GIF, yeah, that is true, man. Like, uh, 
it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. They're, they're really essentially hurt because they did all the trolling before the game. You got your your, your mark ass coach Sean Payton giving Devontae Freeman the choke sign, but then they end up essentially choking the game boy themselves. So you give, what are your thoughts? All that hot boy shit and lost. So, y'all y'all are so annoying. First of all, y'all are still number one. Y'all are still number one. So shut up. Why why are you crying about that? You haven't cried about any other game except for this one. I get it. I get where, you know, rivals and stuff, but y'all have not gone so in depth with a bunch of lies and conspiracies and bullshit was with the other games that you lost than with us. So first of all, refs, they they coach I mean they they you know, fucking ref other teams all the time. Like it's nothing new. You know what I'm saying? They do it. They do it in the NBA, NBA all the time. So, calm down. That's one. Two, uh, y'all had plenty of opportunities with three or four picks that y'all got, and y'all didn't capitalize on. So, blame your team. Don't blame us or a former Falcons fan that's refing Falcons player that's refing for that. Three, your coach. Y'all, y'all, y'all could have possibly scored and beat us. But your coach came and ran out on the field and threw a bitch fit. So that's also where your anger needs to go to. And number four, for the you idiots that are saying the Falcons are known to um, injure players on purpose. What? What? Are you fucking kidding me? How, how did that lie come out of your ass? How do you lack that much self-awareness, too? Well, no, no, like, you mentioned the, the, the that. Falcons? Come on. It's funny that you mentioned that because this is the team that had Bounty Gate. So that's, come on, that's like the pot exactly. coming. Like that, that's can't. exactly my point, a it, lack of self-awareness. Yeah, too. come on, guys. Y- y'all literally had Bounty Gate. The Falcons aren't known for any of that. The Falcons have been known for Mike Smith's horrible defense, if we're keeping it 100. So what is wrong with y'all? Yeah, I mean it's it's part of the game. Like the only players, and it seems that when we players do get injured playing the Falcons, that I can think of off the top of my head is I know uh, RG 3s rookie year, Sean Witherspoon gave him a concussion. Um, I know when Vic came back to the Georgia Dome with the Eagles, he got a concussion. Uh, I uh, when we played uh, the Panthers last year, it, it seems like the Deion Jones. I think Deion Jones did give a. Cam Newton concussion when he tried to go in on that run. And yeah, uh, he stood him up on the goal line. Yep. And yep. then Alvin, Alvin Kamara got a concussion too. So we're not known for doing it. It's just, you know, when, when it matters most, we, we knock players out the game. So, and it bothers me that as prolific as the Saints offense has been, and this is one of the things that people are saying that, you know, Drew Brees is probably on his decline right now, is that it seems like so much of the game plan was dependent on Alvin Kamara, you know, Georgia native, Atlanta native that with him leaving the game, it seems like their offense kind of sputtered a bit outside of a couple of broken plays. Cause yeah, I think it's a team that has scored 52 points in the game. You know what I'm saying? So that's, yeah. that's kind of a foul on them. And, and it shows that the pieces on their team or maybe their coaching or maybe Drew Brees aren't as crispy or on point or as feared or to be as feared as they used to be. So Al- I found Alvin, that kind of interesting. I don't, and I don't mean to interrupt you. Alvin Kamara is really a big, a big piece of that team. Um, because without them, they 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 were that seven and nine team from the last couple of years, and and that's not to be funny. That is what it is. Drew Brees didn't have that legitimate running threat, and um, he finally got one to Mark Ingram last year. But Sean Payton didn't know how how to call an offense around him. Mark Ingram's not catching passes out the backfield. 
Kamara is. Or Ingram can, but he's not going to he, – he's not burning anybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kamara is your, Kamara is your speed guy. Kamara is your guy that gives you another, another flex on the edge. And so without him, Peyton didn't know what to do, what to do. And I really don't think people are giving our defense enough credit as far as how they've played these last few games. Um, well, really all season, essentially bailing our offense out. Uh, uh, off the yep. Line. Yep. And and this is and this cool. Like I, a lot of fans came to this season. A lot of fans, analysts, even with the new OC, they didn't think the adjustment period would be this tough for this long. Because offense is one of the things you're like, okay, eventually they'll catch up. You know, defense historically is always going to be ahead of the offense. But, man, if we can just give us – like I said, I've been saying this on Twitter. If the offense would pay their half of the rent in 98% of these games, we win the game. Like, just score a touchdown. <laughs> just just score a touchdown. That's all you we're asking you to do. Like, just score touchdowns. That's, that's all we need you to do. The defense is holding it down. They're paying the half of the rent. They're paying the first and last month's rent. And, you know, we're, we're still getting looked at as like, oh, the Falcons defense is not a championship defense. I said that on two podcasts ago, like they're a championship defense, or I think they're very close to being it at that point. Now, watching Jacksonville, you're like, okay, well, they're not quite that good. But, you know, I, I think we could be that one day. And I, hopefully that's that's the goal with Quinn. So, but, yeah, the defense I mean, the, is doing excellent. We can ride this defense to a back to a Super Bowl. But at, at some point, like you said, the offense got to pay the rent. But this, this defense is good enough to win a playoff game or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, even is – we can go into Matt Ryan's interceptions, which was uh, – Yeah. So it, it, Matt Ryan, he's, uh, he typically doesn't make a lot of mistakes like that. Like he, he he's had his moments like a, it happened to be, I think, a couple of times. I know at least two times against Arizona he threw like – he had like two five-pick games somewhere like that. I think we won one of them. But – He's not going to make those mistakes down the stretch. I don't foresee that happening. I think he's going to get it, get it together. You know, I think this game was kind of an outlier. But, yeah, two of those picks were – I don't even know one how One should have been called back. But. The, the Julio one with uh, Lattimore? Yeah, yeah, with Lattimore because that was definitely a push-off. But. Yeah, so a lot of the, the fans on Twitter were – filleting Matt Ryan. And yes, of course, being the leader of our team, being a former MVP, he has to play better. Like, I, I don't understand the decision-making. There was a lot going on in one of those picks as far as them uh, not using a timeout. Like, I, I don't know. There was a lot a lot of horrible game management going on, which has been a a bit of an issue for Quinn since he's been here. He's got he's to get that together. But again, there's no that's no excusing that horrible throw to Julio in the end zone. You got to throw it high and let him make a play for it or let it go out of bounds. Like, whatever he was doing was out of control. But, yeah, the one should have came back, and then uh, the other one we'll talk about later. So what, what are y'all's thoughts on Matt? Like, what do y'all think is the issue? I don't know. Like, do you think he's pressing or? To, to me, he's pressing. Um and I think that was pretty obvious at certain points in the game that the uh, the end zone pick was was certainly part of it, um, especially because if I remember correctly, he had somebody open underneath. Uh, um, Ted Coleman, I believe. Yeah, he had Coleman uh, Sanu. Under- Sanu or Coleman. Sanu? I, I thought he forced Sanu. it to Sanu, but either, either way, yeah, I mean, you're, it, it was either Sanu or Coleman. One of the two of them was open underneath, could have gotten a, a couple yards, even gotten a first down. And again, even if you don't pick up the first there, kick the field goal, live to live to play another day. He left a lot of points out on the field. This isn't the first time he's done it. I think he's overcompensating for uh, some of the play calling 
uh, more than anything. I think he's trying to get what he can because he knows that uh, some of the some of the better design plays are few and far between as we get into the red zone. I know this is a subject we're getting into later. Uh, but I, I really think he is starting to press, and, and I hope that he can come off of that because, again, this is a defense that can – if we go down the field and get three, this is a defense that can hold him again, and we can go down the field and pick up another three if we can't score. So he doesn't have to press, but I feel like he is. I feel like he's he's in the mindset of dealing with that 2013 defense, that 2014 defense. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, they didn't score any points off of those three turnovers. If None. I'm- Mm-hmm. And that's that's incredible. So with that being said, talking about the defense, like a lot of my fr- friends are Jaguars fans. Shout out to Adolphus Savage, who was on the podcast a couple episodes ago. He's a Jaguars fan. So if you look at their team, we need to kind of adopt that blueprint, except we have a better quarterback. Run the ball. Give Freeman the ball. Run him the ball. Give him the ball 30 times we have to. I said this on the little quick podcast we did with uh, the Don. Freeman shouldn't come out until Freeman is dead tired. Like, I, and it's, again, I said this before, it's no slide on Coleman, but feed Freeman. Give him the ball. That'll open up things down the field for Matt Ryan with play action. That'll keep the defense on their heels. But he starts start sometimes. It seems like he's on the right track, and then he kind of regresses a little bit. And that might be directly tied to Matt Ryan and his regression, obviously. So I, I feel they need to kind of run him more. So hopefully we can adopt that mindset. But, but back to the – the last pick before the half that they missed a field goal on, uh, Julio essentially made the game-winning tackle, or the game-saving tackle. That could have been a pick six. And if they score there, I think the game is over. So, and, and I said before, I think Julio made the best tackle of our defense in the game because we clearly were back on that, you know, missing tackles wave that we were on a couple games ago. So I, they need to definitely show that in practice. Definitely show that and say, hey, this is how you not quit on the play. This is how you make a square-up tackle. I know Vic Beasley made a play in the backfield, missed the tackle. Just straight up whiffed. I'm like, bro, come on, dog. I understand he's playing out of position a little bit, but you have to make those tackles. Those are critical tackles. That's a tackle that turned a potential loss into almost a first down if the guy didn't get it. I'm not mistaken, but got to have those, man. We can't make those mistakes. Can't do it. So, but that was my uh, my thing on Julio with the tackle. Another big thing that come up, came up this week was Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is like, oh, Mr. Jekyll and Hyde. One minute he's making great first down catches. The next minute he's having balls bounce off his chest and become interceptions. So a lot of fans are saying, hey, he's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. I, I'm not sure that's the case, but what are, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Uh, I don't think he has to go. He just needs to improve. I do think we need to draft another TE just because we don't use Toilolo enough in like with catching, uh, helping catch the ball. He's more of a, you know, a blocker, but I do think we need an extra, uh, tight end. He just needs to get it together. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's like one minute. He makes a great play. The next minute, he gets an interception, catches the ball with his chest again. We already discussed that. And it resulted in an interception. So I don't know. He misses tackles. Like, I mean, not tackles, blocks. He's missed blocks more than one time. I don't know what's going on with him. I just know he needs to fix it fast. Yeah. 
he he's more consistent catching the ball, or he was, than Toy Lolo. Um, but he's not as good of a blocker as Toy Lolo. And and I agree with y'all. If we can find a tight end that can do uh, what Hooper does best and what Toy Lolo does best together, uh, we'd be in great shape. I don't feel like either one of them need to go anywhere, though, because I, I feel like it's not worth using a, a high draft pick on a tight end when we can just kind of work with the ones that we have. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know uh, what the case may be. Again, yeah, he did try and catch it with the, with his chest, and at the same time, that's a freak interception. But that hap- that's what happens when you don't, you know, look the ball in and bring it in with your hands. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he needs to go anywhere. I just somebody work with him on his hands. Yeah, you gotta hit the jugs machine. If 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 Levine Tuiolo is still on the team, there's no way Austin Hooper is leaving because that guy, I was almost sure he was gone. Couple of years ago, but last year with the uh, historic offense we had, he actually at times looked like a decent NFL tight end. Like he was actually catching passes, catching touchdowns, you know, running people over, things like that. So I think right now you got to think Cooper was drafted in the third round. There, for the value we're getting for his his draft position is pretty good. Like he's he's mm-hmm. playing pretty well. Like and with the high draft position you'd be a fool to waste the first second round of tight end unless they were like a transformational talent which isn't common like it's not common that you get like even last year i mean hooper caught a touchdown in the super bowl like that's that's incredible like for a rookie to be able to make plays like that and earlier season against the bears he made the essentially the game changing touchdown reception for 80 yards so we see flashes of it we just have to hone that in and get that consistency going so again i think this year I think hopefully next year he makes the leap where, hey, you know, like with Tevin Coleman with his first year, he fumbled all the time. And after that, he's he's been good ever since. So maybe this third year will be Hooper's transformation year where he's making the clutch catches. He's running crisp routes. He's not letting the ball hit him in the chest. So I think there's time for him. Again, you know, we, we joke around. We tweet out stuff like, oh, Hooper's got to – he's got to cancel his lease and go. But in reality, he's not going anywhere. It's – it's a young team. You have to keep young core pieces together and let them grow together. They're going to have their bumps, but Hooper's proven to be a playmaker. He just has to be more consistent. So I think yeah, Hooper will I, be I, fine. I don't worry about Hooper. You know, it's not like with Toy Lolo before last year where I was holding my breath when a pass went his way, much like back in the day when I'd hold my breath whenever Vic used to pass. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're just like, you see him improving. They're having ups and downs. This is a team that, you know, with the Sark transition, I, I had a feeling coming into this year that this was going to be a, a, a really crazy transition because we're dealing with a guy who's never coached anywhere at the NFL level. And so the adjustment's not going to be the same as a guy who's been in the NFL before, used to be a head coach or has been a coordinator with another team coming over and working with other professionals. Sark has never done that. And that has been, to me, part of the biggest challenge. And, and I hope that we start going back towards the no huddle and letting Matt get more control of this offense. Uh, because to me, the way that it needs to be, and I know this is a subject we're about to get into, and I apologize if I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but um, to me, this Sark needs to be more of a figurehead and this needs to be Matt's offense. And I don't understand why we haven't gone that route. That is a, a great question. Another quick note. If this season doesn't go the way we expect it to or want it to, I wonder if they're going to second guess making that higher because like we spoke about earlier with as good as the defense has played, I don't know if it's a byproduct of the offenses play, but just imagine if we score more touchdowns and have longer drives, keep them off the field or keep them rested off the field, what they could do. 
I wonder if they're going to second guess that hire because, again, you could have brought in any, almost any OC to probably do this job. I know a lot of people uh, were talking about Gary Kubiak because he had, you know, got some tweets off saying he wanted to come back to the right team. Somebody that has experience, imagine, you know, I guess, of course, our imagination, but imagine what this offense could be with somebody that is a seasoned professional. So, yeah, I mean, we got to trust Dan, Dan Quinn, trust DQ, you know, hopefully knows what he's doing. And again, just like Hooper, just like other young players, Sark shows flashes. We just need that consistency. So, yeah, it, it, there doesn't need to be a change in OC, no matter what happens, even if the bottom falls out these last couple of games. Sark needs to stay, but this offense needs to be tilted more in the direction of Matt Ryan being in control of it. And that's it's been that way for a while. I, I even said that under Shanny. Um, and I know he shout he he shouldn't be named on this podcast, but I even mentioned that under him. I don't understand when we have a guy who's as great of a football mind as Matt Ryan is, who's as good of a leader as Matt Ryan is. Why aren't we taking more of a Peyton Manning approach of letting him run the offense? Because he has proven in these no huddle situations that he can run the show. And I, I wondered that too, like because I know when we initially hired Dirk Cotter. They, if I'm not mistaken, they let Matt be involved in the hiring process with the OC, and they found the guy that you know he was comfortable with and worked well with. And up until that point, that was his best season as a pro statistically. Of course, you know when Shanahan came, it was you know skyrocketed past that. But they they had a good connection. They had a good uh, they had a good repertoire. They had a good uh, what's the fucking word? I can't think. They had good uh, connection together. So and, and it kind of weirded me out when allegedly how it came out in the news that they hired Shanahan before they officially hired Quinn. And they said Matt Ryan wasn't really involved in that process because they're kind of looking at down the road, like they're not trying to worry about a Matt Ryan type office. But I, I, thought, I thought that was stupid. But again, it, it is what it is. But to the point of office coordinators, Sark, and this is what we're talking about. Why in a competitive football game did you feel the need to dial up a pass to a defensive tackle and a backup right guard. That to me, that is atrocious. That is on the level of jet sweep. That play should never be seen from again. Again, you, I'm I'm gonna let you take this one first. I, I know okay. I've been talking a lot, so no, you're good. <laughs> so I mean, I saw that the Buccaneers did a similar play that worked. That's cool. I'm sure somebody will come like. You know, oh, you know, well, he should have held his block and then Poe would have been open. No, that's cool. I got it. I understand that. But in a game that's essentially a must win, give the ball to Freeman in the red zone, man. That is, and I believe that play was on first down too, which infuriates me even more if that's the case. Run the ball. Look at Jacksonville. Run the ball. Rely on your stud, all pro, superstar, running back duo. Let those guys do the work. Do not ever under any circumstance, run that play again. That's all I got for that. Yeah, that play was fucking retarded. I was looking. I was like, oh, look who's out there. Okay, this should be good. The next thing I know, Matt stepping back to throw. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this shit? Oh. It, no, like, what is happening? I'm just looking around. Freeman can't, okay, you know, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> well, but before you to interject, when that play comes in the huddle, can't match be like, nah, we're not doing that. We're not we're not doing that. Let's not, not. That is what I'm trying to figure out. Like <laughs> in practice, did it go well? Well, you know, of this course. isn't practice. Of course, it practice. This, is, well. 
That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> this is a live football game. Okay, this isn't practice. What, what the fuck is happening? Where are the, the one, the one yard line. What are we, the Seahawks? The fuck is this? <laughs> the one yard line with two of the best running backs. Two of the best. Coleman. We got Coleman and we got Freeman. Mr. Chris. I mean, Gunn I mean, shit, put Ward in there. Yeah, let's not forget about the, the best wide receiver in the game either. Like, let's not forget about him. Julio, Matt, we could have did a QB sneak for heaven's sake. Fall <laughs> behind post 300 plus pound self. Like, come on. Who who drew up that play? Who made that play? Who gave the go ahead? Why couldn't Matt Sark, stop it? Sark, Sark drew up the play. He's he's offensive coordinator. What? So. Yeah, and I, that, but that goes back to the big. That goes back to the bigger question: Why doesn't Matt have more veto power or more control? Because when he has his input, and I, I wish I could pull. Maybe I have to. Maybe we need to hit up Charles, uh, good old at Four Verts, about um, Matt in the no huddle. What does it look like statistically? Because I swear, maybe this is my own personal bias, and maybe you know, I just, I maybe it's recency bias. I don't know, but I swear, every time we go no huddle and Matt is calling these plays on the field. We have success. We move the football, um, and oftentimes we score. And I don't understand why we don't do that more often. I know it's not college. You can't sit up here and you know do that all game. That's not going to work. You have to move in and out of it. I understand it, but the core of that is Matt is calling the plays, and he's yep. adjusting at the line of scrimmage. He's seeing what the defense is in. He's moving from there. Why not have a situation where even before Peyton Manning became Peyton Manning, when he had uh, – uh, who was it, Mudd? Was it, was it Mudd, his offensive coordinator for a long time? Or Tom Moore or something like that. Um, his longtime OC, when Peyton was younger, he'd give Peyton a set of three to five plays. This is, these are the plays based on the looks the defense gives us. He would allow Peyton to audible out of those plays into whatever he wants based on what he sees. Why can't we do that with Matt? No, what I'd say to that point is – just off the top of my head, thinking Matt Ryan used to be an animal with uh, with no huddle, and that's probably led to him having be one of the top quarterbacks uh, as far as comebacks. Now, one thing I will point out that I'm going to think that I think the issue or the thing with that was is that was when we had a long stint of uh, consistent offense coordinators, right? And also, at that time when he was at his peak, and again, I don't know the stats off the top of my head. I'm just going from what I can remember. That's when we had Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez, uh, Harry Douglas, as much as y'all hated him, and uh, at a latter point, Julio Jones. So I think they had a little more continuity as far as with the play and more trust with the receivers. Like, do you really trust consistently going no huddle with Austin Hooper, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, and maybe a Justin Hardy? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't. As you can see with Hooper, who – at times, let's balls hit him in the chest and bounce in the air. Uh, shit, Julio too. Sanu too. Sanu's had a couple go off his hands and be intercepted. And Julio's made some. I mean, there's a high pass to Julio, but you, he, it was still catchable pass. So right now, it's just the rhythm. I don't think is there to consistently do that. Maybe they should practice it. I don't know. Me, I'm, maybe there's a reason they're not doing it. You know what I'm saying? Something, something's not. You're right. You probably onto something there, and 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 I, I could see that. I just. I wish my main point is I wish we would lean on Ryan more. Oh, of course, definitely play calling. And to me, that needs to be that needs to be the route we go because 
I, I again, I, I feel like Sark is still kind of in the college realm of what you can do in college where you can do those cute little, we're going to throw to a backup lineman and, you know, his mom in the red zone. Um, you know, that, that, that works at USC. That, that works, um, you know, at the collegiate level. That doesn't always work in the NFL, uh, especially if you have one of the best running backs in the game. Why are you running jet sweeps and, and you know, tied, uh, or tackle eligible plays at, at the one-yard line? I don't, I don't get it. Um, that should be something that's vetoed. Mm-hmm. So we gonna see, man. I'm I'm hoping these guys get together. So, but if you had some tweets you want to read off this week, I know it wasn't a lot going on because we won, but there's still some outrageous stuff going on in the Twitter sphere, you know, in Falcons Nation. Yeah, but too many. Wait, it was like. While she's looking for that, shout out to KB. We're definitely with you on. I know you you said you didn't think we want you on. Ain't no ain't no smoke, man. We just want to get you on to get these takes off, man. You're a very interesting character. You know, we want to see what's really hood with the legendary player KB. So we're gonna get at you. Low key, we're gonna get you on too, even though allegedly you don't listen to the podcast. So shout out to you. Yeah. Hey, we we gotta key. get the we gotta get the uh, most underrated wide receiver of all time on, on here one day too. Y'all gotta get him, uh, Mr. Brian Fennerin. Um AKA Vic number one target back in the day. Hey, yeah, I used to love using him on Madden. So, <laughs> this is six. Oh, Madden. Well, yeah, I said Saints tweets. Damn. I just have funny tweets. That's it this week. Nobody said anything crazy besides you weird Saints fans talking about we had bounties and stuff. But remember that picture in the end zone that the Saints took after they scored that touchdown? Yes, I, I definitely use that on a couple people. But yes, continue. Yeah, my boy Craig Street, that's with three E's, had that picture and said, you would think teams would learn from the Panthers' mistakes. I thought that was funny. Yep, and they were quickly turned into a bunch of crying Jordan faces. So that actually might be the picture for the podcast this week. So. Yeah. Shout out to the Saints. <laughs> then we got KB being brave. He said, ain't nobody scared to go to NOLA, LOL. I'll walk right in that bitch and won't shit happen. All right, um, man. Uh, New Orleans is a dangerous place. <laughs> that's what I was like. Um, go ahead and walk in the wrong ward. What happens yep. to you? You, you got to make sure you walk in the right ward. Bourbon Street. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Step into the wrong one, you gonna die. Shout That's out to it. my homeboy uh, Darren, who's a huge Saints fan. So shout out to you. He's from New Orleans. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, and shout out to all the Saints fans getting in their feelings over hurricane tweets. <sighs> when, when when y'all when y'all are y'all are sending us AIDS and HIV tweets. And then y'all get mad and say how the hurricane is worse than AIDS and not really one is worse than the other. They're still both hella bad. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, I stand by the, the statement that the Saints were really sassy all week long. They were unloading that sass right. all over the timeline. And as soon as that game was over, as soon as the clock hit zero, the excuses came out. They were oh. all out there. And... My mentions were full. I saw your. I saw both y'all's mentions were full. I mm, 
end, I ain't hearing it. You talked all that hot boy shit leading up into the game. Take the L and keep it moving. <laughs> so this tweet, I'm going to tag the um, Twitter, our DBN report Twitter, and it is from Miss Purdy 43. It says, still, it's still who that nation we has injuries 28-3 still. My gumbo is better than yours. And it has three pictures. Everyone <laughs> needs to go to go see these pictures. I'm about to tag y'all at it right now. Oh, shit. Um, it is hilarious. So y'all got to see the pictures of who is saying this. Yeah, she she looked like she got hit by all of Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. So, yeah, the cry of Jordan face would be an improvement on what I saw. So oh, yeah, that's an upgrade. It, it was very different. And then I got something. I think this is from fucking Facebook. I don't know, but um, shit. Oh, I was at. So this guy said. I know he listens. I, f- I think it's he's has dreads. Why y'all hate Matt Ryan so much? And this is a little paragraph. Some guy from Marietta, Georgia said, first off, I'm a Falcon true. What the fuck does that mean? Whatever. But I'm still a little salty about that last contract because I just don't see where the money went. I believe that some of that money should be used for a mobile backup QB with a better arm. People should what? stop looking at the numbers and look at the game. Um. Okay. Can I? I'm sorry. I just want to. I yeah, want to rant go, on this real quick because let me, let me let me tell you what absolutely kills me about some of these Falcons fans that just showed up in 2010. <clears throat> um, what Matt Ryan has done for this franchise since 2008 is nothing short of remarkable. Um, and I know you know I know we we can't really stand um uh. Uh, Mike Smith at, at times, but what Matt Ryan and Mike Smith both did, uh, mainly Matt Ryan, uh, should not be overlooked. Matt Ryan has played an MVP level pretty much his entire Falcons career, um, working with nothing for a long time until Julio Jones showed up. Uh, for those of y'all that don't remember, there was a long time where we could not get rid of, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, was Michael Jenkins. Uh, we, yes. we couldn't get rid of him of our life. Mm-hmm. Only guy we had on our team. Roddy White, shouts out to UAB, go Blazers. So for what Matt Ryan has done, for what Matt Ryan has done for his franchise, for people to throw him aside because he had a couple of bad games this year, that really ticks me off because they don't understand the value of a quarterback and how many teams would take Matt Ryan in a heartbeat if the Falcons yep. were ever let him go. The only teams that would not take him would be Carolina, New England, Seattle. Green Bay. Green Bay. You could probably name two more and have a legitimate argument. Those are the only teams that wouldn't consider taking him. So to me, it shows me, A, people don't know about football. B, they don't understand what Matt Ryan has done for this franchise. C, they showed up in 2011. And D, they just need to shut the hell up. So I get off of it. We went from, from Michael Vick, who I love and adore, one of my favorite players growing up. If you did not sit here in the 03 season when Michael Vick got hurt and we had to go with Doug freaking Johnson, and uh, in 2007, when Vic got arrested, and we were rolling with Byron Leftwich and Joey Harrington, and Chris Redman was the best quarterback on the team that year. I really don't want to hear your opinion. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. I don't care. There we go. That's right. And yeah. E, he's probably a Vic stand too. That most likely. That's usually probably how is. That works. But if we're gonna keep it a buck, if we're gonna keep it 100. 100. The best thing that ever happened to Michael Vick, and he said it himself, was him going to jail. 
because he got refocused. He understood what it meant to be a quarterback. He never would have in an Atlanta uniform if what happened to him did not uh, did not happen. He never would have got it together. 2006 was his best season as a Falcon before he went to jail. And I think he only had 20 touchdown passes that year. He completed maybe 58% of his passes. He still wasn't seeing the field. And yes, Michael Vick is the ultimate what-if story. If we had Philly Vick in Atlanta, we would want to rank. But we didn't have that Vick. That's not the Vic that we had. So you have to separate Philly Vic from Atlanta Vic and what he was able to do the first couple of years back with Philly. Matt Ryan is leaps and bounds above anything we have ever had as a franchise ever. Yep. And that's what we said a couple of episodes ago. Like, again, if Matt Ryan were to disappear today, who who's coming in to make this team better? Like, who's out there? What are, we going we gonna have post pick six Matt Schaub as our quarterback? Mm-hmm. And, and I love Matt. I love. I really do. I love Matt Schaub. But we're gonna have post pick six broken Matt Schaub. The pick six god. Like I had never seen nothing that wild in my life. Man. I've never seen a player fall off as quick as Schaub did. Yeah. Went from and, MVP candidate to a pick six machine. Yeah, and to the the fans that don't know, the newer fans, uh, he was actually drafted by the Falcons. So there's yep. your uh, trivia effect. So. Hey, he he put up a hell of a game against the Patriots when Vic was out one time. He. I think he threw four touchdown passes that game. We almost beat New England with our backup. Jesus 2005, 2004. Well, again, I I don't want to think about what a post-Matt Ryan-era Falcons team looks like. I hope it's still a playoff team, you know. And we have to do a podcast on that one day, just kind of, you know, just kind of do some uh, kind of brainstorm and just think, like, what would this team look like without Matt Ryan? So we'll definitely do that here soon, maybe in the offseason. So, but, yeah. Definitely. The tweets that I have really this week, nothing too crazy. I was kind of paying attention to the game a little bit too much. But one of the tweets I have is more relating to the postseason. So just some fun facts from uh, Mike Conti from 99 The Game, who is uh, funny his own way. He's really serious, but it's, it's pretty funny how he talks. He says the Falcons clinch the playoffs by Christmas by a couple scenarios, well, two scenarios. Two Atlanta wins, a New Orleans loss to the Jets, plus two Seattle losses. And I haven't looked at the schedule to know who they play, but, you know, they just lost to Jacksonville. Their team has a lot of issues on hold, so that could possibly happen. Also, we have two Atlanta wins, plus two Los Angeles Rams losses, plus one Green Bay loss, plus one Detroit loss, plus one Dallas loss. Uh, The first one is probably the most probable, but, you know, Dallas is winning games now, so. Seahawks have the Rams and the Cowboys next two games. Hmm. They could lose. I, I don't games. see them losing to the Cowboys, but I can see a Rams. Well, I, I mean, they could be a shootout with the Cowboys. I mean, Dak threw what three touchdowns last week. Uh, it depends. Okay, is it in Dallas or Seattle? That's that's gonna make a big, big difference. If it's in Dallas, I'll, I'll give Dallas a shot. You know, their pass rushes, pass rush can do some things. Sean Lee's playing; they'll be all right. Uh, it's kind of a mirror of two mobile-ish quarterbacks. Russell has to do a lot more than Dak does, but no, nah, it can happen. And then my next tweet is going to be from oh no, the other tweet from Mike Conti, which is very interesting to the fire or cut Andre Roberts crowd. Uh, Andre Robert, Andre Roberts, <clears throat> excuse me, as of the tenth of December, remains second in NFL kickoff return yards throughout all games. So another trivia fact: as much as we hate him, he's the second best statistically in the league returning kicks. So. You got shit. By watching the games, I never knew that, but you know, me that, either. Shit. Numbers, numbers don't lie. And the last tweet I want to read, which is kind of funny, 
It's from Lola the Snob, Lolo the Snob at 404 Lope. Uh, she says, some of y'all out-of-state Falcons fans are annoying. So I know Gift Green replied to that. What do you think? What was your interpretation of that? Like, uh, I was like, who the fuck does she think she's talking to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I mean, again, hit um, dogs holler. If it don't apply to you, just let it slide. But, I mean, I guess you got to represent. Well, I, see, I didn't know what she was talking about. So I just said okay. a GIF, as usual. Yeah, so I was like, that. what is she even referring to? But apparently there's a whole conversation that I missed that took place a couple of hours earlier about some out-of-state fans. I guess they're talking about the the, game, the home games and um, the stadium crowd and all this other crap that they were getting annoyed with. Oh, and some of them were, were ready to uh, jump ship. They're like, I'm going to cheer for another team. So Well, you do that was, just like you were cheering for the Panthers in 2015. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So those fans uh, are who she was referring to. So it's all good over here. So if you're one of those fans, kick rocks. If you're not, then yeah, we we really don't need you. Yeah, really don't. Like I've I've been through thirty years of pain and torture with the Falcons. To it's way too long for somebody else to come in and tell me what they think this team should be. Nah, fuck that, cuz get out of here. Um, so yes. Yeah, so uh, I know as of yesterday, breaking news, well, not breaking anymore, but uh, Mr. Falcon, Tommy Nobis, passed away at the age of 74, five-time Pro Bowl linebacker who played 11 years for the Falcons and is in the ring of honor, so RIP to him. Hopefully we can, you know, win a game for him, you know, make the make the playoffs for this guy. He's obviously an influence on the Falcons organization. If he was great enough to be put in the ring of honor, like uh, Warwick Dunn recently was, so shout to work done. One of my favorite shit. Probably probably my overall favorite running back in the NFL. Not like talent wise, just overall what he what he does and who he is as a person, as a man. So a shout to him. But um yeah. We got a couple of other shout outs. Shout out to Canadian Bay, shout out to Ish Tribble, shout out to Charles McDonald, uh, shout out to KB, shout out to Low Key Confucius, who will have in the podcast. Shout out to Marcus Sniffles and shout out to B seventeen Bomber. Y'all got any shout outs you want to give? Uh, uh oh, go ahead. You go. You go first. Oh, and B seventeen Bomber, fuck you for oh, doing wow. that. So, so no, no. Let let me let me explain, people. I thought this so, was a, I thought shout outs were positive. <laughs> well, it's positive, but it's a big fuck you because he replied to four. Okay, Forvert said something about. Nate the scammer, right? So next thing I know, I see on my tail is Nate the scammer commenting, no, not four words, on Hashim underscore Cole. So I see that on my tail, Nate the scammer commenting on that. And I'm like, the audacity of this bitch has to come back on here and say something, right? So I'm tweeting him. I'm like, yo, everybody, look, this fool is back. I can't believe this. And I'm like, what scam are you going to do next? Your sister scam? I feel another snow scam coming up. So I was hated. I was like, I know this fool didn't come back. And so he tweets me back. He's talking about my sister's dead, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, she's not because you never even had a sister. And he's like, she's dead. And then he said something like, uh, I need $500 uh, for her funeral. Can you give me some? And I was like, I was about to kill somebody. Like, I was ready to come to Atlanta, find where he lived, like, go crazy. Turns out, Tribbles actually 
shout out to his tribbles, went on the page, went through the media, and found that it was anime. And the only Falcons fan that does anime is B17. So I tweeted this fool. I said, is this you? He, was, he started laughing. I'm like, this isn't funny. Like, I was about to kill you. Well, kill Nate, because he took over a page because Nate's Twitter handle was available and pretended to be Nate. Wait, so actually, I never heard the story. What happened to that dude? Uh, oh, this we're gonna dude send you. Post, yeah, you're going to have to send me this story, because this yeah, is the used to post on Falcons. We'll, right? we'll send you that podcast. Actually, it's the first episode. We kind of break that one down. But. Oh, okay. Yes. I'll, I'll pull that one up. Yeah. Here. Yeah, we'll send that to you. Yeah. Okay. Long story. But, um, I'm not gonna lie. That'd be kind of lit if Nate came back, but I'm not gonna lie. Stop. <laughs> Everybody's about to die. I was heated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all I picked up is that he's Joanne the scammer. So I'm, 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 I'm really interested to see what happened with this. He might be more legendary. He might be the most legendary scammer of all time. Like. Yeah. We we might need to actually. Somebody had a funny ass meme that I think they posted in that. Uh, in that chat of like you know those uh, the easy button like uh, like you know the hand going out to the red button it had a picture of Nate's face superimposed in the background on the <laughs> button on the button that said scam I was like yo <laughs> and then it had the whole text of him saying what his scam was and he was sending the people I was like bro y'all are out of control Ooh. like Nate Nate forever lives like free Nate where is <laughs> hey pray for Nate man pray for Nate wow yeah um. I guess my shout outs, uh, first and foremost, um, kidswearcrowns.com. That's the website. You check it out. Don't call it a podcast. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at the KWC blog. So shout out to Ronnie and AJ and um, whole crew, McDetus, uh, and everybody else that's involved with that. Um, so yeah, those. those. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely have to come on your podcast or you can come on. The the uh, what is the word called the uh, parent podcast of this podcast? So this podcast is under the committee podcast branch. So Falcons fans, y'all go check that out. Uh, we talk stuff like non sports stuff, like pop culture stories, news, just random shit. So y'all check us out on there. Uh, yes, I think enjoy it. So I'm and- not. I'm not cool. I don't have a blog like uh, Ryan does, but you know, we're trying, we're <laughs> y'all can to get- always y'all can always write for us. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to jump away. I got a I got a little one here that needs changing, but I do appreciate y'all having me on. Oh yeah, for um, sure. They can all follow me on on the Twitters at Eagle Eye One Nine Zero Six. So I have to get up with y'all another time. I appreciate. All it. right, bro. Take it all easy, right. bro. All right. All right, Gift. What do you got, man? I know you're about to say something before you wrap up. All right. Quick shout out, everybody interested in this Bitcoin stuff. The committee pod. They're going to do an episode about it with a guy who's really into it. He's all into economics, all that crap, and Bitcoins. So if y'all are interested, make sure you follow the committee pod to check that out. We all need some financial advice, you know what I'm saying? White people be keeping us out of the loop. And oh I know most God. of y'all that listen are black. Oh, hush. Most of y'all that listen are black and minorities. So listen, get some financial advice, follow that dude. You know, it's going to be a good episode. You can learn about what Bitcoin is and stuff, and maybe you'll still be skeptical after. Maybe you won't. Just make sure you check it out. Yeah, so we, we actually did two podcasts, me and the one of the guests on this podcast, Adolphus Savage, on the committee podcast called Black to the Future. 
uh, we go over our past financial mistakes and hopefully that you can learn from them. Even if it's not you, like younger people can learn from them. But, you know, you can add me at Salpree 706. I, I can give you semi-decent financial advice. I'm not rich or anything, but I think I've made pretty decent life decisions. So uh, give me a holler. I, I talk about more than the Falcons. So, but I like talking about the Falcons too. So again, this is Salpree 706 and Gift Queen, Lethal okay. underscore Saint. This is the unofficial official podcast of Falcon Twitter. And if Gift Queen has something left to say, then we out. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Holla. And fuck whoever stole my Jordans, too. Yeah. <laughs>